Pod, 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 Pod. Rugby Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be looking back at all the action from the second leg of the Champions Cup round of 16. Plus we'll be speaking with Munster's Graham Roundtree after they beat Exeter and he was confirmed as their next head coach. So settle back, enjoy and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! How's things, guys? How's it being influencers in Dubai? Where are you both? Like camels in the night. That is all I know. One leaves, one goes. Camels? I'm a camel. Is that, is that the saying? I thought it was like two passing ships in the night. Two camels in the night because we're in Dubai, right? Well, and we're both hung. So there's an easy analogy. <laughs> and it's the Arab nation of camels. Actually, I heard Australia's got loads of camels. Not that we want to talk about camels, but... Have they? Apparently so. Apparently they've got the most camels in the world, in Australia. But Dubai, there's a lot of camels, I think. Is it Dubai? You can go on camels in Dubai, Jim. Yeah, you can. You definitely can. There's a lot of camel toes. Yeah, there is. True. Very true. I was one of them. <laughs> I added to that while I was there. But I'm back now, is what I should say. And before Goody can talk about the suite that he's in and, you know, the business class flights and the bloody G-wagons picking him up from the airport... <laughs> We had a tough time getting back, I'll be honest. Yeah, a couple of the kids weren't very well. And I felt like I neglected the children. I didn't realise it was so hot in Dubai. So firstly, big shout out to the Anantara. Didn't put as much on social media this time because wanted to... Are you joking? No, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't put as much on. I put a couple of bits on, didn't I? And you were on social media the whole last couple of weeks. Oh, God. I actually was. The amount of content that you're, you're putting out there is unbelievable for someone that's on holiday with their family. Life is content. Influencer. That's what influenza, as you said before, Andrew, um, or David Flatman once called me. But I'll get through the thanking phase of the podcast. Big thanks to the Anantara. Uh, that's the only thanks I'm going to give. A big no thanks to Wild Waddy, the water park in Dubai. Absolute shambles there. Absolute shambles. One thing I don't like, uh, there's a few things I don't like, but Andrew, this is where we are very different. Me and you are very different. In my opinion, you're a Peppa Pig land goer, you're a Lego land goer, you are a farm goer, a zoo goer, things like that. They are my worst nightmare. For the kids, mate. Yeah, but the kids ain't going to remember it, Andrew. They are. What's your first memory? How old were you? 
I can't remember my. I've got. Um, yeah, no, I, I generally can't remember my first memory. Well, there you go. You just, you just answered it. <laughs> like I hate going to these places, and we put ourselves in a bad situation on the last day before we came out. It's forty degrees. We went to Wild Wadi, paid a mortgage to go there, and we're in a queue for about two hours trying to get in, even though we've prepaid. And it's 40 degrees and we're thinking, my God, the kids don't look well. Well, one of them, Max, didn't look very well. And we thought he's got heat stroke. Anyway, get home. He's come out in a rash like he's gone through the brambles and he's got chicken pox. So in a way, I'm glad that it wasn't through neglect and it's chicken pox. But we're home and we're absolutely bollocks is all I'm saying. So, Andrew, I hope you have a better time <laughs> than we had on the last few days. Yeah, well, we've had a chat about it, haven't we, Jim, in terms of what happened to you guys the last couple of days. Our holiday started off really badly, I'll be honest. What, was the caviar on the plane cold? What what's, <laughs> Was your seat not reclined back up? Well, we got on the plane, we would, so we were delayed for about half an hour to start off with. No, you weren't. Half an hour? Oh, God. Yeah, BA had to swap the plane over. But then on the plane, and because of that delay, there was a bloke with his wife that was sat the other side of the aisle to me. He was given an F in this, F in that. I'm going to F in divorce you. I'm not pissed. He was raging, swearing and all this stuff. Anyway, the air hostesses kept coming up to him and saying, listen, sir, your language has got to change. You've got to be quiet. You know, you need to just calm down. And I'm looking at him going, I've got the twins sat here next to me. What are you doing? I felt sorry for his missus. He was giving it to his missus like you wouldn't believe. He was pissed effing and blinding and everyone could hear it and everyone's looking at it and I'm like I'm going to have to get up here and the TMO is going to have to get up <laughs> hey the TMO is going to have to rise out of his seat <laughs> and eventually they got the police to come on the plane and kick him off no they didn't they did yeah 100% tell me they got the tasers out no there's no need so basically they, he, he basically eventually fell asleep in his chair he'd reclined himself and fallen asleep and I'm like hold on mate you can't recline your seat all the way back to flat before we take off but he didn't care I didn't say anything to him obviously and then the air hostesses came up to him and I could see the police on the plane with the guns and everything I'm like oh my god it's going to kick off air hostesses come up and say listen we need to have a word with his wife took his wife over to the police the police are like there's two ways this is going to go down he either gets dragged off or he walks off nicely she came back and she said, David, please just stand up and walk off the plane. He's like, that fucking what you on about? Ranting and raving at her again. He sees the police. He stops saying anything, just picks his bag up and walks off and people clapped him off. So uh, finally, we got to Dubai and you talk about shout outs. You gave a shout out to the Anantara. It ain't got nothing on Caesar's Palace, mate. I am living like a like Caesar, basically. Well, you bloody hope you will. With a name like Caesar's Palace... It best be good. I mean, Caesar's Palace, I'm thinking Chav. No, I'm thinking like Chavsville. Absolutely not, James. No? No, absolutely not. We had a lovely cabana today by the pool, as you can see. got a bit sunburnt. But the twins are happy. Twins are loving life in the pool, out the pool, lobbing things in, diving in the pool. Basically, day one of the holiday, I'm sunburnt and I'm happy. Are you feeling comfortable? Are you feeling like top off, get out by the pool, as in walk down the beach, top off? boobs out are you are you comfortable in the body that you've arrived in yeah mate I'm, I'm pretty happy to be honest i'm looking around the pool i'm probably one of the youngest with kids in the best shape of any dad here and there's a few dads saying where's jim where's jim i said that clown's gone home mate he basically came for a week couldn't handle the heat and he's fucked off home so uh there we go happy to be here and a massive shout out to caesar's palace i'm only home for two days i'm off to center parks oh my god literally more expensive than Dubai to go to Senate Parks is it really yeah they ain't getting a shout out is all I know <laughs> I don't want to say this too loud 
I don't need much more time with the family. I don't need much more time with the kids. I can't say it too loud, but that's where I'm at at the minute. I just want to get out, get to New York with the lads, just something different. But um, yeah, Centre Park's bloody hell. Shoot me in the foot. Did you guys manage to catch a bit of the card fest over the weekend though? Yeah, I did actually. All 26 cards. Didn't see all of them. Saw the majority of them. And this is actually how bollocks I probably was. I watched nearly every single game of rugby and I've taken in nothing. <laughs> Me and Goody have been going back and forth because we love our ruggers on voice note. And I actually said to him, I can't even tell you what's happened. I've watched the headline stuff. I've watched like Zebo's offload, for example. I've watched Ollie Chesham getting red carded. And that's about it. But I have watched all of them. I've gone back and gone through the archives. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. And again, I tweeted about it. Of course I did, because I've been on my phone, bloody average screen time of seven hours, 41 minutes a day. Jesus. And I said, Summer Rugby, what a difference it makes with the sun, sun out, doesn't it? Across the board. Whether the game's on a Friday, whether or not it's in Edinburgh at eight o'clock on a Saturday. I don't know who watched it on TV. No, I don't think it was on TV. But it was a sellout at the damn health stadium. And all the European games we've seen over Saturday, one game on Sunday... What a difference. But yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Apart from Quinns, probably fell the way that we all thought, did it not? What do you mean, apart from Quinns? Did you think they were going to overturn the 14-point deficit they had from the first leg? When I saw Montpellier's team and put something out on social media and then people are coming back at me, I don't know the Montpellier team that well. All I saw was Zach Mercer on the bench. And I'm thinking, well, why are you putting him on the bench? He was the best player on the pitch the week before. I know Kobus Reinhardt was injured and they had a few injuries and they put Pollard at 12. Well, I put a tweet out there. Benny Kay put it as well. And I'm thinking that Quinn's going to beat Montpellier comfortably. Whether or not they get through, well, we've seen, haven't we? We've seen that that isn't the case. Bloody good game, though. And I love the way that Quinn's play. But fair play to Montpellier from, again, going back last week, going back a few weeks ago for Montpellier to get 90 points put on them by Leinster. And now they're in the quarterfinals. Something is going right there, isn't it? And that's a huge statement of intent by Montpellier. Being top of the top 14, scraping through to the last 16, and now it's knockout rugby, isn't it? So can they do the double? I don't think so. <laughs> but I'm proven wrong regularly. Looking at that game, you can get into the nuts and bolts of what happened. You know, I don't want to mention Mike Adamson, but I'm going to mention Mike Adamson. Our bad was a Marcus Smith's conversion. Everyone, it, like obviously Jim, you tweeted about it around have they thrown the towel in, the change-ups. Then you listen to Philippe Saint-André's interview pre-match and you listen and look at what they've done in the top 14. They've done this throughout the whole season. They've rotated in that manner week to week. And you know when you speak about and understand, a lot of people looked at the team just as the the statement of this is our team to to defend a 14-point lead and go and qualify in a knockout stage. And it's a massive change-up from last week's victory over in Quinns. Yet, when you look into what they've done this season, the amount of changes they've made, the amount of squad rotation, they haven't been resting through the Six Nations because they had a load of COVID games played. I'm sure Philippe Saint-André said there was 10 games on the spin, so you have to rotate. And fair play, you know, everyone, I think, to a man expected Quinns, when the sun's out, to go and blitz them. And they probably should have won and won that fairly comfortably in terms of the aggregate score. And it obviously boiled down to a Marcus Smith misconversion and some Mike Adamson shocking refereeing. But you can't talk about referees too badly because people go mad, don't they? But our bad was Mike Adamson. Scrum time, how many penalties? And he hasn't even got a yellow card out. Yeah, um, I'm not going to go big on the referees, but our bad are referees at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) The big one for me out of that game, Marcus Smith's kick, that was the easiest kick of the day for him. How's he missed that, Goody? 
Like one point in it, four minutes to go, as he missed that, a player of his quality, we're talking about him now as one of the best tens in the world, as he missed it. I don't know is the answer. Yeah, it's the first one he missed all day. Did the pressure get to him? There was a bit of a snap hook on it. You know, even when you're watching it, the Quinns fans are cheering because it, it looks like it, or they think it's gone over and he's obviously hooked it to the left. A massive shock, massive surprise. He's a wonderful player, wonderful talent. Goal kicking's never been an issue for him, but I was trying to think about it. How many clutch kicks has he kicked in a game where you know that's the winning kick and you think back to other players that have done it and I don't know, it's a massive learning for him in terms of he bubbles confidence, doesn't he? Like it just comes out of him everywhere. Did he not take his time? Did he not realise the severity of the kick? Did he just try and rush it? Because it was you know, on the 15-metre line on, on the right side for a right-footed kicker in terms of the better side. I don't know, really tough, mate. And I've been there. I've missed kicks like that where you think it's just going over without a shadow of a doubt. And it will be one that will haunt him for a long time, unfortunately. So he'll get back on the horse. He's obviously pretty confident around what he's what he's done and how he's playing. But... Ultimately, it's, it's cost them dearly, isn't it? What do you do after that, Goody, as a goal kicker, when you've missed a conversion like that, a pressure conversion, something to win the game? What do you do as far as training to go back and make sure it doesn't happen again? I'll try, I thought you said, what, after a game, you go and eat and drink and forget about it. And then keep <laughs> keep eating, keep eating, keep drinking. Win, lose or draw. And I say that when Goody was at Worcester, you'd go into 13 in Cheltenham and there'd just be like a plume of smoke just around him. So, <laughs> and generally Worcester lost. So I can answer you the question. Was it vape or camels then? Was that vape or camel? I can't think of the, the date of when that would have come in. Probably menthols and vape. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, I mean, it's horrible. You can go and train as much as you want. You can go and stick the ball down on a tee in that very same spot 100 times. And he would get that probably 98 times out of 100. Probably 99 times. So until he gets back on to the horse per se and in a Quinn shirt in a game where he's goal kicking again, you can go and practice till the cows come home. And, and, you know, he didn't have a bad kicking game. He had a really good game overall. I mean, Marchant's try that he set up was just ludicrous, wasn't it? From Danny Kerr keeping the ball in from Andre Pollard's mistouch from the penalty to then Marcus Smith effectively chucking the ball in the air with a little dummy on the scissors and then just bamboozling everyone, sticking the toe down, gassing players and then putting Joe Marchant away for a a wonder try. He had a great game and he kicked everything else. So you can't be too hard on him, but some people will be. And I saw some of the gifts going around or memes or whatever you call them of Owen Farrell just smiling at, at that. And just people are horrible, aren't they? Why are people so horrible like Jim Hamilton? Twitter trolls, aren't we? Ain't they? It's everywhere. <laughs> it's absolutely everywhere. I agree with you. I mean, the headline out of that game is the Marcus Smith kick, but how many games has he won them this season? And if he weren't playing in that game, they wouldn't have been anywhere near it because he's one of the best players on the pitch. I'm only asking the question because it looked, even in my opinion, such an easy kick and they're champions of the Prem. We've seen, like, you know, we've seen Owen Farrell drop the ball over the line. Do you know what I mean? We've seen Bowden Barrett miss ridiculous kicks and we know that the All Blacks have got issues around their kickers. It was just more from him. I just wonder why he missed it. Do you know what I mean? I know that it happens, but look, People are calling me out on Twitter because of the Montpellier jibe saying they're putting out a second team. And like, you look at the comments, some of the people, some of them have been deleted or whatever. I'm just like, it's, it's an opinion. Like, don't worry about it. Like, I'm happy to be wrong. I've said that a million times. Like, I'm happy to be proven wrong. And I'm happy for Montpellier, one of my former clubs. We've obviously had Philip Saint Andre on here. We love Zach Mercer. Apparently, Ryanak loves us as well. Paul Willemser, friend of the show, we've had him on. It's all about Montpellier, is what I'm trying to say. And uh, fair play to them. 
something is going extremely right at that club. You talk about opinions, Jim. Opinions, the saying goes, opinions like arseholes, everyone's got one. It's just that yours have had piles, right? They're gone now. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for your advice, Andrew. You blow my mind. I mean, still a bit itchy, but they're gone. Well, Ulster's gone as well, aren't they? Went down to Toulouse at the Kingspan. Unlucky for them. Tom O'Toole's red card caught, sort of swung it in the end, didn't it? Oh, not a great game, but I enjoyed it. Not a great game in terms of a load of errors. And with Toulouse in town, you're thinking they're going for it. They're going to be 100% razor sharp. They're going to be on it. Dupont's going to be back on it. Intermax's going to be back on it. But they weren't. There was a lot of errors in that game. And everything was building for Ulster. You could see, and we always thought they would. You know, we had Mike Larry on the show last week. Uh, they were mad up for it, weren't they? The physicality around their cleaning, uh, around their carries, extremely well coached. And you're wondering, is that enough against Toulouse? And we're all thinking it probably ain't, right? We're all thinking, like, no, it ain't. Toulouse is going to come good. They can score from anywhere, like they did. But there was a couple of big moments in that game. Obviously, Tom O'Toole's red card, we can mention that. Really, both of them could have gone, him and Rob Herring. I thought that as well. Or it could have at least been, at worst case, I mean, worst case, it could have been two red cards, Rob Herring getting the other one. But it should have been a yellow for Rob Herring, I think. He tucks his arm, doesn't even go to grasp. And, and you know, normally, if that's not a red card for Tom O'Toole, it's definitely something for Herring. But I think the ref was just thought, I can't give two cards here. It's almost like Rob Herring, who, by the way, fist pumped me before Scotland played Ireland, liked the bloke, loved the way that he played at the weekend. It's almost as if he was pissed off at Tom O'Toole for going too high and just kind of stepped in, which a lot of players are doing now, stepping in and shoulder to head. And, well, we just went through the amount of people that have been sent off and you all yellow card at the weekend. But was that a turning point? Yeah, I, I think it was. Unfortunately, you look at the context of the game, going down to 14 men against one of the best, well, the champions of Europe. You're going down to 14 men and literally they could score at any point. And they did. Mm. And that is a huge opportunity blown by Ulster in the context of it. But there was loads in that game. You know, Mike Lowry, this talk, should have he been red carded? They're both going for the ball and Mike Lowry nearly catches the ball, doesn't he? I'm glad that that wasn't a red card. I didn't think it was a red card, but I'm thinking there's going to be thousands of people watching this thinking that's a red card. I've seen stuff a lot less than that being red carded. A lot less. The game, it was, like Jim said, Toulouse could have scored at any point when they turned it on. They were the better team and there's a bit of frustration for... Ulster, really. And I think you go back, this is the beauty of these two-legged affairs. And they conceded a try towards the very end of the game last week to cut the deficit to six points. And then, obviously, DuPont scores at the end. There was a clear-out in the lead-up to DuPont's try where McCloskey gets tipped. And I couldn't see... They didn't even check it. And then McCloskey goes up to the ref and says, you've got to check it. I've been There's a tip in the, the clear-out. And he was clearly lifted above the horizontal and landed on his shoulder back area, which, for me... Should have been checked and, and perhaps, you know, the, the try disallowed. But Ulster, they've probably only got themselves to blame, haven't they? You know, in terms of the uh, few errors that they made in that game. You know, obviously the intercept, it looked really pedestrian when that player at the back of the line out, onto Max Reddit, he's literally stood there waiting for the pass and then... Well, that's it. With that one there, like the line has got to move forward. If we're going to get into the nuts and bolts, the line has got to move forward. And because they did so well at stopping it moving, Cooney's obviously just gone through with the move to put McCluskey over the gain line. And like you just said, like Unterback is literally just stood there. Yeah, so that, Ulster will be like they've only got themselves to blame, really, haven't they? Conceding that try at the death last week, and then some of the errors they made in the game. But they, they played some good stuff as well. The, the frustrating thing for me is is that 
tip in the ruck of McCluskey just not being checked whatsoever because that's a game-defining, you know, tie-defining moment where Dupont scores a try and they, they win the game. And, and I think in that, you've got to check stuff. And he just didn't want to know, did he? Because there'd been so much checked, there'd been so many delays around stuff. He just wanted to give the try, I think, Matt Carley, and said, oh, my TML will come to me. But they were just checking so much because the next play, the boy got absolutely sparked as well, didn't he, in the tackle? So they were looking mm. at that, see if that was foul play. And yeah, it's tough. That's why, Jim, you're right. And I appreciate your tweet, James. I'm wasted. I should be a TMO. It was a little bit more exciting at Ashton Gate this weekend, wasn't it, with the return leg between Sale and Bristol? Proper ding dong, wasn't it? Oh, again, I'm going to be horrible to Bristol. Ashton Gate, one of the great stadiums to play in English rugby, have been crying out for a huge performance all season, right? So you're thinking, you're in Europe, you're in the Champions Cup. You've got Sale at home. You've just beaten them away. Come home and finish the job. Then Sale go down to 14 men. Aaron Reid gets sent off. And you're thinking, here we go. It's on. Just under-delivering. Again, you've got to say it. You've got to say it how, how it is. They scored two tries when Sale went down to 13 men. And how bad is Sale's discipline? I, I must have said it five <laughs> times in the last five weeks. Not that they're going to listen to me. But Bristol, and again... Texting Genji at the weekend. I was like, mate, are you sure? Are you sure you want to go? Because someone might write you a check to go somewhere else. And I say that because Genji is playing so well. He's at a club that is top of the prem, that are now in the knockout stages and look like out of anyone that can beat Leinster at home, they're a team that could potentially do it. And you look at Bristol, and no disrespect to Sale, but Sale are a team that are poor at the minute. They're not playing well. And they've got 14 and 13 men, and you're nowhere near it. And you're at home, Ashton Gate. It's harsh. I get that. And for that, I'm sorry, because we've had Bristol lads on here. Love Bristol. Love where they've come from. But at some point, you've just got to say, it's it's not good enough, is it? And they ain't good enough at the minute, clearly. And did Genji come back to you on that? Did he respond or? Yeah, he just said, it's, mate, he's in. He said, it's not for the money. I said, Genji, come on. What do you mean it's not for the money? What was your tweet? Something like, he's gone there for less money. Bollocks. As he bollocks. As in sarcasm. And Genji's private messaged me and says he has. I says, mate, you can't, you can't pull the wool over the eyes of a dinosaur. Now, I don't know whether that is completely true, whether you, they had wool back in the day of dinosaurs, but you can't pull the wool <laughs> over this dinosaur's eyes. And if he's gone back for them reasons, then completely get it. Completely fair play. But if you're captain of the best team in the country, one of the best teams in Europe, it's twofold. One is that Bristol ain't playing well at the minute. There's something clearly not right there. Whatever it is, and there's rumours, they're not for me to talk about on here. There's rumours at the club that things aren't amazing. What rumours? I don't know. I don't know. What are you on about, Jim? What, what, do, you, what do you know? Who do you know? Mate, you said it. Well, no, you said it at the live show, so you can say it on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that's where we are with Bristol at the minute. But, I mean, it was a much better game. Manu Tuolangi, my goodness me. What a player. My goodness me. Anything and everything, whether it's defence, whether it's gain line, whether it's like breaking through four tackles, is the difference in any team. And that is, in my opinion, why Sale won that game and won that game comfortably. I know he played the week before, but yeah, he was awesome. I also wrote in my notes around Bristol, Joe Joyce. We've not given him a shout out before. Well, I think we might have done actually, but he is on fire at the minute. Yeah. On absolute fire. And Benny called it in comms. If Semi Ranranger scored a try like he did at the weekend, you'd be saying he's unplayable. He obviously made that break against Saracens at the Tottenham Stadium that went forward if 
they would have scored it. They would have won it, would they? Yeah, last play of the game. Yeah, not that that's a slight on him. It's a skill error, but he's putting himself, he's making line breaks. Do you know what I mean? He's scoring tries and he's captain. So big shout out to Joe Joyce. He's one of the big positives coming out of Bristol's at the minute. And on, on that with him as well, I did read that he's from quite a sort of deprived area of Bristol and he's now the skipper and he it's a great story when you you dig into it and that's part of him and Genji are really good mates so you can see why there is that drag there for Genji to go back and obviously you know there's various different reasons off the field as well that he wants to go back for but yeah Bristol I just don't get you've got Randrander on the bench you've got Piertown I know he made this play a few weeks ago Pat Lamb around oh I'm going to load up my bench because we're really good in the first sort of 40 50 minutes and then the last 20 were shocking so I'm going to put all my best players on the bench but Sale dominated and seeing Alex Anderson's passion I haven't seen masses of passion come out of Alex he's normally quite a level-headed guy but you saw him at the final whistle jumping around on his boys and showing what it meant to them chalk and cheese those two games from leg one to leg two and Sale the nuts and bolts what they did they dominated the set piece now you look at Carl Sinclair, England's tighter prop, got absolutely hosed at scrum time. And that had a massive impact on the game. Lou Diago, I thought, was outstanding. But you're right, their discipline was was horrific. And it has been for... It's been for ages. We've been talking about sales discipline for a long, long time. But full credit to him. Roebuck on the wing. He looks absolutely ginormous. Hell of a finish as well. Yeah, quality. Good game. Chuff for Alex Anderson. And, you know, with Manu Tuolangi in your team. And once they get AJ McGinty back as well, he makes a massive difference. And who knows what they can do towards the end of the season now. And Munster overturned a five-point deficit at Tom Park to turn things on the head completely against Exeter, didn't they? Scoreline didn't reflect it, I didn't feel. I thought Munster just comfortable throughout, really. Again, extra team said it. feel bad saying it. Just don't look the same, do they? They just don't look like they used to. To be fair to Exeter, though, they had three of their best players on the piss in the stands. <laughs> they very much do. <laughs> Luke Karansicki, Jack Knoll on his stag doing a Munster jersey. Fair play. That's ballsy. And I liked it. And obviously Sam Simmons as well was in the stands. It's tough, isn't it? Like you know, European rugby, and, and we've both played it and done pretty well in the competition. It's about set piece. It's about the breakdown. Then you can... You can add on other, other bits that you want to, but Munster were so dominant at that breakdown area. Peter Omani was uh, like a man possessed, wasn't he, at times? And then you add in Zebo's little flick, the bit of skill. Carberry, you know, came back into the team. And where Exeter lost it is last week. Last week, when they had pretty much, bar a few players injured, they had a, a very strong team out. Munster had loads of players missing. You add in the quality that Munster put back in the team this week, and I mentioned three of them there Carberry, Zebo, and Omani. Uh, it was a completely different monster outfit and you know they fully deserved the win Exeter were second best by a long way weren't they you look at Munster as well again looking forward for them we can peel back through it but losing Delande who's a fantastic player getting Malachi Fekatoa in getting RG Snayman back in like you look at the quality of players that they've got and there's clearly I don't want to speak for them we'll chat to Wigsville about it he probably won't answer this question but I think when a coach says mid-season he's leaving, there's a kind of, oh, with Van Graham going, you're thinking, where's his mind? And we've seen on just some of the visuals, we don't know the ins and outs of the coaching team, but with Larkham going as well, we saw Wigsville screaming in the change room last week at Exeter. But you're thinking, what's the dynamics of the coaching team when they now know that two of the coaches, two of the top coaches are leaving? So maybe that was, maybe the fact that Graham Roundtree got announced as coach just, 
kind of sparked that adrenaline. Peter Omani, he's been in and out of the Ireland squad, hasn't he? He's been starting, he's been on the bench. He's coming to the back end of his career, speaking frankly, but he's a monster man through and through. He's a fantastic player. And rightly so, he got man of the match, star of the match, Heineken star. That's why, get it? Because they've got a star with Heineken. But Munster, it looks right. It feels right, doesn't it? Thoman Park, one of the great stadiums in the world. It's just great to see that they're going to be back there for the quarterfinal. Everything they've been building up to. Oh, no. Oh, no, they're not. Ed Sheeran, who's chosen to do that when you're in knockout stages of Europe? They're thinking the coach is leaving, Larkham's going, Wigsville's just shouting, yeah, 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 like Usher. <laughs> it ain't happening. Let's just get Ed Sheeran in town. And why not Ed Sheeran? Fantastic. I mean, you know, when you look at Ed Sheeran, you're thinking there ain't a chance here. And then you actually listen to him and you're thinking, I can see it. He can do what he wants, can't he? Yeah, I can see why you and Taylor Swift have had a thing. Like, it ain't, you know, it's the music. <laughs> Creative. Whoever's made that decision, and I get Ed Sheeran is world stardom. You know, there's obviously a massive opportunity there to make a boatload of cash with him coming. But who's made that decision in the middle of rugby season? And now they've got to move it up to the Aviva, which is, what's that, two and a half hours away from? That ain't the same. No, no. And Toman Park is historically a bloody difficult stadium for an away team to go and play in. Like, without a shadow of a doubt, it is, you know, historically, those fans make a huge difference. Moving into the Viva, they lose a massive advantage, I think. They'll get more bodies in the in the stadium, obviously, and there'll be more Munster fans that'll be able to go and watch it. But I just, yeah, I, someone needs sacking, don't they? Who was it that made that decision? Well, it might have been Paul O'Connell. I don't. Is Ed Sheeran, are they related? No, they're not, no. But my point being around Paul O'Connell, I played at Thoman Park, Munster Saracens in the European Cup. Oh, here we go. And one of the greatest things, one of the greatest things ever to happen to me in a match. You dominated them, didn't you? Well, I wouldn't say dominated. <laughs> Basically, they did a short kickoff and they've gone straight for me. They've seen Andy Goode hit Jim Hamilton on the forehead. And I've gone up for this kickoff and the great... The great Paul O'Connell, the two greats of Scotland and Ireland collide. His elbow hits me straight in the eye, splits me eye clean open, looked unbelievable on Instagram, even made the Daily Mail, chipped my cheekbone. Yeah, it's one of the greatest things that have ever happened to me on a rugby pitch at Thurman Park with the great Paul O'Connell. So, And did you start that game, did you? I started that game, Andrew. Yes, I did. I started that and the return fixture where we absolutely humperdinked them as well. Was Crusoe injured or on holiday? He might have been on holiday, so... <laughs> Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, we're going to have a chat now with the Munster Fords coach who is stepping up to the top job next season. Graham Wick Roundtree joins us. How are you, mate? That's all right. Hi, Andy. Graham, fantastic to have you. Graham, Jim, so formal. Well, we've evolved now. We're with Spotify, Graham, and you are now, you are now head coach. Not yet, but you're going to be, aren't you? You're going to be the boss. So it is more formal. It feels more formal. Jim, you've evolved. I can't wait to see this. Oh, fuck it. Wig. Talk to us. <laughs> Back in the money, eh? Back in the money. Loaded again for, from next season. Congratulations is what I'm trying to say. How are you? Back in the money. What does that mean? <laughs> Jim, you're so crass. Oh, I know. I know. I'm only messing, Wig. It's great to see you back uh, next season holding the reins of one of the biggest clubs in the world. But let's talk about it because you must be pumped. We're all pumped for you. I, I know you're not much on social media, but the love and affection that was given out last week all over social media, which is a thing in this 2022 world that we live in, just kind of shows how happy people are for you. How was it received in the Wigsville household? Uh, I'm zero interest on social media. I'm a bit of a lurker. I follow a few of our lads just for some dodgy photos. <laughs> I only follow them for dodgy photos for team meetings. I'm, I'm proud, you know, to be leading such a, as you said, a, a famous club. I'm proud. What can I say? Talk us through the process then, because I remember coming over earlier in the season for the Munster Wasps game when I was working with BT and I was like, give it wig. And then I commentated on Munster Exeter over in Exeter the other week and I was like, give it wig. So have I helped at all wig or not? Or is it a case of it's been in the pipeline for a long time? It's just been announced. What's what, What's been happening? As usual, Goody, it's all you, kid. <laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> the ultimate influencer. Not, not at all. No, it's been a long process going back quite a few months because the IRFU appoint the head coaches of the provinces. There's been a lot of applicants and, and rightly so. It's been a thorough process, but we're at the end of it now. Couldn't be more proud with, with the result to be leading such a, a great club. Yeah, well, there's no better man, Wig, and we say that, you know, I've known you for many, many years. But you mentioned there that you're at the end of the process. What happens now with the other coaches? Can you share any of that with us? Like, what would be the dream scenario? We were talking about Paul O'Connell earlier. Do you want him back or what? Can't afford him. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm speaking to people now. I'm not going to lie. I've been speaking to people for a couple of months. Within the whole interview process, I've got to have had a plan and put names forward. So I'm speaking to those guys now. And that, that's coming to a head now. That'll be sorted over the next couple of weeks. But until then, we just carry on as we are with the current dynamic with Johan. You know, I love working for Johan. We had a great win yesterday under Johan. And we'll work through that until the end of June. It's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously, you know, there's been some ex-pros from Munster that have, you know, questioned what's been going on because they wanted a decision to be made. And, you know, I know it's something that you're not going to perhaps get into, but it must have been really hard for you as coaches knowing the potential that you've got within the squad, ultimately knowing what's going on behind the scenes, but you can't say anything for people to question it. Idiots like myself and Jim Hamilton that just throw comments out here, there and everywhere, although we haven't about Munster, 
which is great. But I haven't had a phone call to be a nutritionist week. What, what, what's happening? What did you say to me on text? A, new, a nutritionalist, wasn't it? Yeah, something like I was using Jim's words again. Nutritionist, yeah. I could be the nutritionist, hybrid kicking coach, and Jim could be line out forward. But we haven't had a call, have we, Wig? What's going on? One step blob, was it? Or two step blobs? Well, it's a two. I mean, one would have worked as well, Wig. <laughs> but we'll say a two just to be sure. Now's the time to get things in place for next season. I'm trying to get that worked out with coaches coming in, but you can't take your, the eye off the day job. We've got, we've got a massive game Friday night in Ulster. We've got so much coming up, but there are certain things we've just got to get in place now for next season. So it's it's a busy couple of weeks, lads. Let, let's, let's put it that way. Wig, let's get into the crux of it. Before we talk about the game, which is the crux of it, Irish rugby, mate, on the whole. Every other country, I think, is looking at Irish rugby with complete envy, with the way that the system works. Just give us a bit of insight into what it's been like, not just with Munster, but the kind of whole academy system and the pool of players that Irish rugby have got to choose from. Some good lads, Jim. And the Irish system, it works. And they had a great autumn series to beat New Zealand and that carried on into the Six Nations. And our guys have come back from national camp flying. And, and, and the key is for us is when to integrate those guys. But no, I, I think since Andy's coming, the whole national system, it, it's working. It's working. And, and we're getting on the back of that. And we have guys coming back, as I say, in good nick. You know, we're, we're, we're winning on the back of that. And it's interesting, isn't it? Obviously, you mentioned a few people then. Obviously, Andy Farrell, head coach of Ireland. Obviously, Lanny's doing exceptionally well up at Leinster. You're now the boss at, at Munster. Catty's on the coaching department. And I tweeted about it the other day. I put the picture up of you four. And I know you must have seen it, Wig, on, on social media because you're massive. I put a picture up of you four from you know, the 2015 coaching panel. I was like, this, these are the best English coaches over in Ireland. It is amazing how well everyone's doing. It's not amazing how well everyone's doing because you're all great coaches, but... The Irish public have all taken to you exceptionally well as well because of the qualities that you show. And you, you must be loving life over there, right? God, yeah, yeah. I love it here. My family are here. You know, that, that was a long time ago. We've all moved on, doing different things, you know. And, and since we've moved on, England are doing well, aren't they? They've been in the World Cup final. Let's not deny that. You know, and, and, and the squad and the players there on everything. You know, we, we, we move on. All we can deal with is... What's presented to you, I, I love life over here. I love the club I work with, the guys I'm working with, and I'm very fortunate. As from the 1st of July, I'm leading it. I, I, I can't wait for it. Mm. Wig, how much did that define you, the World Cup and everything that happened with England, being a proud Englishman, everything at Leicester? I know it sounds, I feel like a bit of a knob asking you that question. You know what I mean? Because you are so experienced and, you know, you were so good to me when I was a young lad at Leicester that I feel a bit of a knob asking that question, but I feel like I do need to ask it because Goody mentioning what the coaches have done after that and England being such a high-pressure job. You look at Eddie Jones, the amount of pressure he's under, whether or not he looks like it or says that he is. But I'm just interested, I think the listeners would be quite keen to know how that defines you going through such a bad time with England at the end. I know it wasn't all bad, but the ending kind of was. Jim, it doesn't define you. You drive on to the next role. It's a business, you know, professional sport rugby, it's a business. And what we achieved in 2015 is, is well recorded. It, it wasn't good enough. And what happened, what happened. And we all drive on and we find ourselves where we are now. And all you can deal with is what, what's in front of you now. You know, you, you learn a lot. And I, I think nationally, I think England have prospered under Eddie. 
myself and the other guys, we've prospered in what we're doing. So we just we just keep marching forward. Good stuff. How long's the deal at Munster for? Can we get on the bandwagon and bring Wig back to England after the World Cup? <laughs> Wig back to England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll start that bandwagon. I've signed a two-year deal. So you don't get much more than that these days. That's fair enough. It's a business. So you're saying there's a chance, Wig. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm happy doing what I'm doing now for at least the next two years. And that one at the weekend makes it significantly more enjoyable, obviously. Big win against Exeter. You lads did incredibly well. Big turnaround. Peter Omani, fantastic. It seemed a bit of Munster of old at the weekend. Jim, they were a proper team. I didn't know until pre-season. We played Exeter pre-season. There's such a respect between the two clubs, a real respect between the two clubs because of previous European games. You know, as a forwards coach, they're, they're scrum, Jim. Crikey, they're scrum and they're more. They're a handful. They're a bloody handful. And I'd say our defensive breakdown was pretty special yesterday. That led the game yesterday, but they're, they're a proper team to play against. I think the turnaround over the two legs, I remember seeing you at half-time of the first leg, ranting and raving, properly riling up the boys. And I mentioned it in comms, but I loved watching it. I love the passion coming out of you. And I can see you now wincing a little bit. You can't do that every week, Goody. <laughs> but actually, you know, Munster are a massive European team. And that second half in Exeter and coming away, okay, disappointed to lose the game but only a five point deficit with those boys coming back into the team this week made a, a massive difference was it solely the, the the breakdown that you targeted or were there other things that you picked out from learning in that first leg around ways to beat Exeter there's always things to learn about you know what was special in that first leg the defence of particular goal line defence was special but the breakdown one one thing that got Exeter in that game very quickly in that first game was the breakdown they they counterrooked our rook too easily, you know, and we, we addressed it within the game, sorted it out. That gave them such energy into the game. But no, I, I have nothing but regard for the team, just respect for their team. They're, they're such a good team. They, you know, they turn down points and goal. They go to the corner to take you on. And that that is a mentality that's hard to deal with. You mentioned the breakdown the week before, but the breakdown this week with... Our mate Peter O'Mahony, O'Mahony. O'Mahony. I oh, know, <laughs> idiot. Who says that? I'm going to show him the absolute respect. He was phenomenal. I've been trolling on Instagram. He's into his gardening wig. Did you know that? Did I know that? I spend most weeks. We'll show some gardening videos of Pete. He loves his gardening, but he, he is tough. Doesn't say much. What he says is spot on. What's his favourite plant or his tree or what does he grow? What's his favourite thing? I must share that with you. No. Grass. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about some of the players that are leaving but are coming. You've got an absolute monster in the kindest of kinds. Malachi Fekatoa, unbelievable signing. Who else do you reckon? Are you looking at anyone else? Are you, are, are you thin on the ground in any positions? What does Goody call Fekatoa? Fekatoa, is it? Yeah, Fekatoa or Feka selfie. I mean, if you want to look at some pictures, Graham, if, Wig, if you want to look at some pictures, Jim's got another picture of Malachi Fekatoa for you if you want, but we, we'll leave that aside. I don't think I need to. I don't think I need to. No, you don't, Wig. It's uh, this new age stuff. You don't want to see it, mate. Uh, no, we're good. There's no more, there's nothing more to be done recruitment-wise. I'm, I'm happy with where we're at. We've got a, a great squad. We've got a load of good lads coming through. Just right about now, there's a load of lads pushing through and we know what's coming through under that. We know what's coming through in the school system. It's a good project. When you take over a head coaching job like this, do you want to bring in your own style or is it more about continuity? And I guess that's 
probably part of your pitch when you were going through the interview process as well, wasn't it? A bit of everything. The guys within the organisation, certainly the players know my style, what I want to do. The guys I want to bring in are fairly similar to me. I need to get that nailed over the next couple of weeks. Within a few days of pre-season, they'll, they'll know what we are doing, how I want to change things. With that week, in terms of just looking something different but similar, if that makes sense, looking mm. at New Zealand, it all starts at the top, doesn't it? And they all try and filter down how the different Super Rugby teams play as well, uh, the All Blacks way. How much influence is there from the RFU about how you actually play the game? Because I know that there's obviously influence from the RFU around they choose who's the head coach, but then are you given sort of carte blanche to to run things how you want to run it in terms of attack and, and defensive structures and all that stuff, or is it all aligned to the island project as well with Andy Farrell in charge? No, no, there's freedom to do what you want to do, but you have to respect and understand what is working nationally. And, and clearly Andy's got them playing in a certain way that is undeniable. You'd be a fool not to follow what, what they're doing. And... Graham, finally, from me, your son, Wigsville Jr., is he still playing? Is he over there now? What's his pathway looking, if you're happy to share that? Because I obviously watched him for the academy when we were doing a documentary a couple of years ago. He's still in the Tigers development squad. He is playing at Loughborough University, where he's studying now. He's enjoying it, and we'll see what what happens from there. He's Luckily, his ears are looking in good nick. His ears are where do you guys go up against Toulouse? They've got some, uh, well, some of the biggest players in the world. When does the prep start for that, for when you have to kind of work out a way around DuPont and Intermark and those types? Got a good scrum half, haven't they? I've heard of this scrum half. Goes all right, doesn't it? Yeah, it's not bad. Now, we'll deal with that as and when. The thing is with where we are now, we've got big games every week. We've got Ulster. We've got a huge game within the URC table Friday night. We'll deal with them. Then we've got another big game the week after at Cardiff. Points matter, this URC table. You, you put the South Africans in there, you, everyone's got to get out to South Africa. It's all about what you can pick up down in South Africa. So the URC is massive at the moment. So we can't look further forward, Andy, from Friday night in Belfast. Are you enjoying the URC week? Because I commentate on it, and it, I mean, not that I'm the smartest bloke in the world, but are you enjoying it, though? Because it, it seems like... Well, it seems like it's really taken off this year with the South African teams in. I do enjoy it. It's a proper challenge. You throw us down at South Africa. You, you've seen it with the altitude and, and, the, and the heat. It's difficult. It's such a difference. You know, that's a curveball that's been thrown in. We came back, we got two losing bonus points. We could have quite easily come back with 10 match points. But no, it's, it's a different challenge. I think it's great for the tournament that they brought those South African teams into it. All right, well, thank you very much for joining us. Congratulations on the new appointment and best of luck on uh, Friday night. Cheers, lads. Good to speak to you. Cheers, Wig. Great to have you on. Graham O'Wig now. It's not Wigsville anymore. It's Graham O'Wig. That's all we need to know. <laughs> Just Graham for me. He's the boss. <laughs> Cheers, lad. Top lad. Top lad. I'd go so far as to say he's a legend. Yeah, we say top lad a lot, but I know Wig listens to the pod, but he, you know, from day one at Leicester, and he was the same with you, wasn't he? He looked out for young lads. You know, you'll go around the world of rugby. Anyone that he's come into contact with in the game would only have unbelievable things to say about that bloke. From when he was a player to when he's a coach. You know, he was obviously getting his first head coach role now as well. What an absolute legend of a bloke. Can't speak hardly enough of him, apart from his ears. Horrible ears, but what a bloke. Absolute legend. And I wanted to ask that question around the 2015 stuff because you look at what he did after. He turned into Wigsville after. He went to Georgia to coach. 
right? That is like, good on you. Back on the horse. However that horse looks. You know what I mean? And if it's a Georgian horse, it ain't going to look good, I don't think. And he went there. <laughs> be big. It'd be bloody big. And it'd be bloody strong. <laughs> Actually, it could be the most unbelievable horse. But it was. It was the best horse he could have chosen. It's the best horse he could have ridden. And you look to where he is now, and you mentioned all the different coaches that have been a part of that England setup and are doing wonderful things now. The humility in the bloke is something that has been there since I was 18 years old, scrapping down the town, getting arrested, and Wigsville taking me under his wing and put me on the rowing machine when I was 18 and a half cut. So I love the bloke. Absolutely love him. Yeah, top guy. Well, let's wind back to Good Friday. Then Leinster kicked off the weekend pretty convincingly, didn't they, against Connacht? The James Lowe show, amongst others. How good. Unplayable, aren't they? When they're on, they're unplayable. I actually thought Connor played all right. I think they tried hard. And I say that with all due respect. I think they gave it everything. Uh, you take the piss, they tried hard, Jim. You sound horrible. I know. It sounds, it's just a throwaway comment. But what more can you do? You look at the quality of the two teams. And again, I'm going to be harsh here. I'm going to be harsh. You look at the quality of the two teams. And in Bundyaki, you've got a player that can probably compete with the majority of the Leinster players. He was nowhere near any of the Leinster players. So that shows you. He got near Johnny, didn't he, on the old late hit? Well, very lucky. Does he not like Johnny? Does he not think Johnny trains enough? Does he not think Johnny should be Ireland captain? What's going on? Why are you saying those things, Jim? <laughs> I'm asking the questions. He was into him a few times. Yeah, and did you see when he banged him properly, he went and picked, tried to pick him up as quickly as possible to say sorry because you're my skipper. In my opinion, that's a horrible yellow card. Like I'm seeing red cards worse than that but it's the framework again let's not get into it but i've seen that as a bit of a cheap shot and for me yeah in my mind they're worse than some rugby incidents that we're going to see for me that's worse than porters last week for leicester yeah intent wise yeah here's the flip side to it rewind the clock to courtney laws absolutely breaking dual police on in half after he's passed the ball and everyone was like oh that's a great tackle he was committed oh i don't know i don't know if people were like that you're not fancy fast as you were. <laughs> it is a fine line across all these, isn't it? And there's no doubt, playing against Johnny Sexton, you, you say it every week, playing against him, he's going to take the ball to the line. You've got to be physical with him. You've got to knock him back so he plays deeper and that'll affect their attack. And obviously, Bundyaki knows him exceptionally well from his Ireland days and thought, oh, I'm going to get stuck into him. And as a 12, that's what you do. You, you, you'll go and be physical. Normally, a 12 is physical, ball in hand, running out of 10, making 10 make tackles. And you mentioned Manu earlier. It's every 10's worst nightmare. A monster 12 running at you, and you've got to go and sit him down. Whereas Bundyaki went after Johnny Sexton in defence, where actually you, you normally think the 12 is defending the 12 13 channel, which Johnny's not in a lot. But because they play those loop balls and those balls out the back to him, that's where he went and got him and absolutely smoked him late. He was committed, but there was intent in there as well, wasn't there? So, yeah, bad yellow card. But he said sorry, so it's fine. Well, that kind of threw him off, didn't it? That threw Bundyaki off in the game, I reckon. Henshaw went straight through him. He got done at a pick and go as well. And he's one of the best players for Connor, if not the best player. But Leinster are a team that are just, on their day, unplayable. And we can probably speed through that game because everything is now looking forward. I can't wait to see them play Leicester. How would you want it to pan out? So you'd want a quarterfinal at home, wouldn't you? Like, that yep. is the dream scenario. Out of all the teams you want, would you want Leinster or Toulouse? You'd want Sale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or Montpellier, if they bring a third team. <laughs> I actually think out of all the teams, 
No, that's a ridiculous statement. Say it, Jim. Go on, say it. It sounds like a ridiculous statement. I think you'd rather have Leinster, like at home. What? Why not? Why not now? Where's the semis? Uh, neutral stadiums, but in the country of the higher tier. So you're saying if you're going to play Leinster, you want to have the home ground advantage. You want to have everything in your favour because it's the only shot you're going to have. In a quarterfinal. Because like Goody said, you go to the semis, it's a neutral ground. So with everything around Welford Road, Andrew, obviously me and yourself just know every single corner, every blade of grass on that pitch. I was there on Saturday, Jim. It's small pitch, small in goal area. Sexton is going to feel claustrophobic without speaking for him. I don't want to speak for him. I don't want to say that. But I think, why not now? If they can beat Leinster at home, they can win it, can't they? They can. And it's two very contrasting styles of play as well. And to be fair to Leicester, where Leinster have come up short previously is against big teams. La Rochelle absolutely hosed them last year. Saracens in years gone by. Well, I was going to get to that, but Sorry. of course you have to you have to drop Saris in. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you're desperate to say, look, oh, when we were at Saris, oh, I was great. But yeah, and that is facts, isn't it? So, but I think, and I said it many times about the Ireland team, which is effectively the Leinster team. And you go back to when England played Ireland a few years back. Oh, back to England. Oh, gosh, I knew it. But it, this is the thing. So it was about physical domination. Leinster have now, and Ireland, have now found a way to overcome that. And you've got Caelan Mio Doris smashing people where he's bulked up a bit. They can now handle the physicality. So it is two very contrasting styles. Leinster going to Mattioli Woods, Welford Road, against a Leicester team that play risk-adverse rugby. Let's, you know, let's be really honest about this Leicester team. Okay, Ben Young's created a wonder try for Harry Potter at the weekend, running it from you know their own 22. But they won't be doing that against Leinster. They'll be playing a pragmatic style of play, physical, set-piece dominated, big kicking game, big territory-based kicking game, kick to compete as well. And Leinster are a team that the attack formations that they put on, the ball in hand, and I, I tweeted about it last week, didn't I? 1-15, to 15, whoever's in that front line can play the short ball, can try and run through someone, can play the ball out the back. Their handling is second to none in terms of European competition across the board. And the one thing that you could raise a question mark around Leinster is where they've come up short previously, which is with physicality, which is what Leicester and Jasper Visa and Liebenberg and these boys, Montoya when he's fit, these boys bring it in absolute spades. And so I can't wait for that clash, really cannot wait for it. Well, Gerda, you were at Welford Road, as you said. Let's unpick that game a little bit. It was quite comfortable for Leicester in the end, wasn't it? It was, and it started off, and fair play, very similar to last week, Claremont absolutely threw the kitchen sink at Leicester. Uh, Baptiste Genoux, who's about 14 years old at Scrum Half, played unbelievably well. They put Morgan Power on the bench. So in terms of Claremont, they went there with a change-up pack. There was no Valmahina. You know, they were missing a number of other players as well. And... Some of these young boys, the young bucks, stepped up and put Leicester under a bit of pressure. They were never going to overturn a 19-point deficit. The biggest issue for Leicester was the sunburn because I was there and it was sunny, it was sweaty, and that was the biggest issue for them, really. But it was one of them that there was never, ever going to be an issue with Leicester winning it, I don't think, over an aggregate score. And, yeah, obviously the, the red card to Chesham, which was a clear red card, was you know, unfortunate for Ollie Chesham, but rules is rules, as Michael Holford used to say. It is a red card. Once Leicester had sort of batted off that early pressure and, you know, when they were trying to mix it up, Alaverti Racker makes a ridiculous break from out of, inside his own 22. And But Leicester just soaked everything up, didn't they? 
and and that's what they've done. That's what they've done. They've come from a really tough spot. We, we say it week in, week out. Where they came from, you know, finishing bottom pretty much of the Premiership over the last couple of years, had it not been for Saracens and all that stuff, to now being top of the Premiership, you know, one of the top seeds in Europe. That performance last week over in Claremont, playing the way they play, it's back to the Leicester old school, isn't it? You know, a dominant set piece, a strong kicking game, uh, and then tagging on some decent attack once you've you know busted those holes open where you're not trying to run it. Teams like Bristol try and just chuck it wide straight away. Leicester don't do that. They're risk averse in how they play, but they're bloody effective. And I feel like I'm repeating myself from last week. We ain't going to see anything different from Leicester. And you know, you listen to Steve Borthwick before the game, and he's very drab in how he talks about stuff. It's great to be back in front of our fans, and you know, we just focus week to week on what we do. But it's what they're doing exceptionally well, and why they are, you know, winning games left, right, and centre this year, top of the prem, you know, home court final in Europe, and they're just that short mindset of week to week getting wins and you know being effective at what they do. And everyone, they said the boys said it in commentary. Everyone knows where they're meant to be in attack. You know, the options, there's a lot of unselfish play that goes on there, which opens weak shoulders to attack on. That gets them over the gain line. And then, as Jim said many times, you want a decent team, some some South Africans, and they've got a few South Africans that are pretty lumpy and good players up front and, and made a massive difference to the team. One of the weaknesses, it seems, at Leicester, though, if there is one, and again, they picked it up on comms, and thinking forward to when we play Leinster is around the breakdown. Them channels where teams are picking and going, but running off nine, they got opened up a few times then. I know it's easy to say, oh, you know, Racker picks a hole, goes through. Fritz Lee was making gain line a few times in that area. But that's where Leinster are unbelievable. They are one of the best teams in the world around nine. Coming off nine, forwards, tip plays, back inside. Even guys like Furlong with them little steps, Kalen Doris in and around there. But that's probably the easiest part to fix as a defence. So, yeah, fair play to Leicester again. I think the question was probably asked as well to Oli Chesham. You mentioned the heat. He was probably one of the guys that Brett went up to before the game and said, are you sure you want to play? Because it is over 13 degrees and I'm not too sure whether you want to go out there. So. <laughs> and he nodded. But we've got to call it, it was a red card for him as well. And you do that against Leinster, you're done. We need to give a big shout out to Harry Potter as well. I'll have a name. Obviously taking the piss. Who's laughing now? He is. Because the boy's a wizard. <laughs> He's a bloody wizard. Yeah, he was unbelievable. How he bounces out of tackles. You look at some wingers and think they're electrifying, don't you? They can bounce people. They can step people. He just looks like he glides and he's not trying too hard. It looks like Ollie Thorley when he was playing well back in the day. I don't know where he is now at Gloucester, but similar. Yeah, but Ollie Thorley used to go looking full on looking for contact at a million miles an hour. Harry Potter doesn't even look like he's trying to run as quickly as he can, but he shifts and he bounces out of tackles. That try from where he's picked the line off Ben Young's, he's bounced out of about three tackles. I know they were talking about that in terms of being impressed with that. He literally, Fritz Lee's run straight over him thinking, you're having it, son. Similar to when I was in New York and Ben Foden was in the centre and they had a 42-year-old Tongan running straight at him. I'm thinking the same thing's happening. Harry Potter's getting flat like a pancake. No, he absolutely blitzes him. I'd love to see what he shifts in the gym because he's not a massive bloke, is he? But he's obviously got proper, proper strength. So he must be chucking some tin around in the gym and have an unbelievable technique in the tackle in terms of popping the shoulder to stick the power through it because he bangs boys as well, doesn't he? Well, it was La Rochelle and uh, Racing both foregone conclusions before we even started the weekend, really. What did you guys make of those games? Well, yeah, 
it was all around two red cards. And obviously, listen, La Rochelle against Bordeaux, everyone's just expecting La Rochelle back at home to win that comfortably. But Vipulu gets red carded, shocking off the ball hit, which was a clear red card. Absolutely no choice whatsoever for Barnsley to give him a red card. So that was Bordeaux, done and dusted pretty much in terms of the tie after 25 minutes. But the big one, and I say the big one, the one that I completely wrote off was the Paris derby. Obviously, Rassin had a 13-point lead from round one away from home, going back to the La Defense Arena, which is basically a nightclub on steroids, like unbelievable place to play. That's where Ed Sheeran should be going. He shouldn't be going to Munster. <laughs> Send him there. But Stad, to be fair to him, after 21 minutes, were 15-3 up. So they canned the deficit pretty much. They were obviously a point down still, but they'd clawed it all back. And then Naivalu gets sent off. He got a yellow card in the 17th minute for a tip tackle, which was ludicrous. And then I actually felt a bit sorry for him. He's got sent off, but it's the second yellow. It was a cover tackle, obviously. Dupichot was trying to score in the corner. He's flying across, and he's basically got his shoulder in the wrong place, caught his right shoulder, which should have been a left shoulder tackle, and it looked like there was no arm involved in it, trying to stop a try. So they gave a penalty try, and he got a yellow card, which meant he was off for the rest of the game, which then just had a massive effect on him. Right, well, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, loads of good. And the first one, Andy Grove, gives me great pleasure to tell you about in the good this week. We're going down to New Zealand, Andy Rowe, and you said it last week, didn't you? You said you're a Crusaders fan. The Blues won away at the Crusaders for the first time in 18 years in Super Rugby at the weekend. I watched it. Hell of a game. Great game. Yeah, they dominated you, didn't they? You you sound really happy about it. I don't know if they dominated. He's not feeling it, is he, Jim? He's not feeling that at all. No, that was his one moment to give us some insight, and and that was it. Did you like the 20-minute red card situation? Saved the game, didn't it? No, it was ridiculous. Oh, don't get a goody on that. This is a whole podcast if you're going to talk about that, Andy Rowe. But anyway, all I'm hearing is they got beat. It was your one moment to give us some insight and it was just denial. That was it. (laughs) It was bad. So we'll leave that. But yeah, the Blues get a mention in the good this week. What else? Dan Norton, world record try scorer in the sevens. He's getting a shout out this week in the good. He played in his last ever sevens tournament over in Canada this weekend. He's been a legend of the shorter format of the game. So a massive shout out and well done to Dan Norton. He has scored more tries than I've had hot dinners. Maybe not. No, no. No, no, maybe not. But he has scored a hell of a lot of tries in the sevens. So uh, massive shout out to Dan Norton. Got to talk about one of my old teams, haven't we, Jim? Alfie Barbary in particular. Hattrick Hero. Yeah, Hattrick Hero in the 39-29 win down at Biritz for Wasps in the Challenge Cup. So they move on to the quarterfinals. We mentioned them in the bad last week, Bristol against Sale. It was a shocking game last week, but this week was a massive turnaround. The game was horrific last week, but this week gave us everything we wanted to. And even a fist pump, a load of celebrations from Alex Anderson. He needs to sort the discipline out, but fair play, Sale. That was a huge win down at Bristol and a cracker of a game as well. So well done to everyone involved. Montpellier, get a mention in the good. And it started off with Jim Hamilton's tweet. Uh, have they thrown the towel in with this selection? <laughs> have they waved the flag? Oh, waved the flag, was it? Uh. Lobbed the towel in, whatever it was. They were questioned by many, many pundits, fans, 
people around the game, but they defied their critics to go through against Harlequins. So massive shout out to Montpellier and Philippe Saint-André. Loved his interview. He's got a really high voice when he goes. He's like, oh, so uh, yeah, well done to Montpellier and Philippe Saint-André in beating Harlequins. Uh, What else was good? Leinster and James Lowe in particular. His first hat-trick for the province. They were phenomenal in their dispatching of Connacht on Friday night. And the team that they're going to play against in the quarterfinals, they're going to get a mention. Another one of my old teams. I was there at Matteoli Woods Welford Road, just running the corporate again. Leicester Tigers were convincing winners against Claremont. It's going to be a hell of a quarterfinal at Welford Road in a few weeks' time. So both Leicester and Leinster get a shout-out in the good this week. Jack Knoll, we mentioned him. He didn't play. He's obviously injured, but everyone saw him that was watching the game over in the stands in Limerick. So big shout out to him having his stag do and wearing a Munster shirt. Brave, brave man, but he looked good fun. So big shout out to Jack Noel and his stag do in Munster and then off up to Dublin enjoying the Guinness. But the good this week is going to go to the team that I just mentioned, Munster, specifically Simon Zebo with his offload. They got Graham Roundtree as their head coach for next season. They've made some big decisions in that sense, but their discipline problems from last week were turned around they bought in the big guns. Joey Carberry, absolutely Toby Carberry'd up at times. Pete O'Mahony was world-class as well. And Zebo's bit of class created a try for Diolande. So Munster overturned the deficit back at Toman Park. They might have had a shocker when it comes to the quarterfinal because someone's booked them for Ed Sheeran. And that might get a mention in the bad. But they get the good this week. So well done to Munster, Graham Roundtree and everyone involved with the province. The bad, few bits of bad. We'll mention it again then. Munster, whoever's made that decision before knowing whether you're going to be in the quarterfinals or not, to get Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran, who? This is Monster Rugby. It could get called off, Ed Sheeran. If it's above 13 degrees, he's a man who burns. <laughs> I don't speak for him. He looks like a man that could burn. Pray for heat. Yeah, pray for the sun to come out. But anyway, uh, they'll have to move the game up to the Aviva Stadium, the quarterfinals. They've lost their home advantage in terms of their playing at Toman Park. So they get mentioned in the bad for that this week. Cast took 64 points away at London Irish in the Challenge Cup. Pants around their ankle stuff there. Shocking. Connacht took 56 points away at Leinster in the Champions Cup. We spoke about that earlier. But the bad this week, James, is going to go to someone from Scotland and something to do with Scottish rugby. Oh, okay. Shall I have a guess? Have a guess, Sam. My tweet? <laughs> no. Don't flat yourself, Jim. Hit us then. Well, luckily for Scottish rugby and the Scottish refereeing group, JP Doyle has just taken up a high-profile role there. The bad news for him is he's got to help Mike Adamson out because he was absolutely shocking at times in the Quinns-Montpellier game. So the bad this week is going to go to Mike Adamson. Happy with that, Jim? I think you're being a bit harsh if you're asking me. But that's fine. That's You're the TMO. You're vying for their jobs. So that's it's a dog-eat-dog world, mate. And you eat dogs. There you go. There you go. Maybe I'll get a TMO job off the back of it. Anyway, the ugly. Uh, loads of red cards again. We're talking about them every week. Another couple in Super Rugby. This time, Scott Barrett for the Crusaders. A reckless shoulder to Alex Hodgman's jaw. And Josh Dixon for the Highlanders for a shoulder to the head of Tavita Mafaleo. So, Super Rugby, the 20-minute red cards just ain't working, boys. That's nine red cards in the last four rounds of Super Rugby. So... You've got to learn the lessons, boys. Go low. Stop hitting up high. What else was ugly? Dan Bigger gets a mention in the ugly. He got sent off for a shoulder to the head of Chris Harris. We saw one a few weeks ago, didn't we? Involving Semi Randrandra, where he's gone super high. He hasn't learned his lesson. He's got a red card this week for shoulder to the head of friend of the show, Chris Harris, but friend of the show, Dan Bigger as well. 
you got to learn quickly with that one. So that gets a mention in the ugly. Mama Vipulu's off the ball hit on Jonathan Dante for Bordeaux against La Rochelle. That was pretty brutal. That earned him a red card. Aaron Reed got sent off for a shoulder to the head of Luke Morahan. Aaron Reed's about four foot six as well, bless him. It needs to work on his tackle techers. Ollie Chesham got sent off for a shoulder to the head as well in a tackle. Jim mentioned it earlier, pretty bad techers there. Tom O'Toole got sent off just two minutes after coming off the bench for a shoulder to the head of Anthony Jalonch, and it really cost Ulster. So loads of shoulders to the heads, and the really ugly thing could be that World Rugby are expanding or wanting to expand the 20-minute red card trial. So we need to change behaviours pretty quickly. I don't think the 20-minute red card trial is going to help it out. So the ugly this week goes to all the shoulders to the heads. Probably we're going to give it to Tom O'Toole because it cost Ulster very dearly against the mighty Toulouse. Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got a couple of shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, unfortunately, it's a really sad one to start off with. Cameron Milton, who played for Bolton RUFC Colts. He sadly passed away in his sleep at the age of 17. And we're sending our condolences to his family and all his friends from here at the Rugby Pod. Yeah, thoughts to everyone who knew Cameron. And a big shout-out to Mark, a.k.a. Steedy, as well. Uh, He's head coach at Preston Lodge RFC and has sadly been diagnosed with lymphoma cancer but his club are going to do as much as they can to help support him they'll be running the edinburgh half marathon to raise money for his charity the just giving page is a run for steedy so check that out if you want to support them and good luck to the all and mark uh, i hope you're doing as well as you can yeah good luck mark and it's a shout out now to another mark a mark Easton, whose wonderful wife sam and their preston grasshoppers and the 16s team i was in preston the other week lads lovely spot Mark and Sam are completing their 10 years of coaching this May, all the way from the under-sixes, all the way through to the under-16s. Lads, once a hopper, always a hopper. Get it? Because they've been doing it for 10 years. So, all the way through. I think it's because it's Preston Grasshoppers, but there we go. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that is it. (laughs) Is it? I don't know. Anyway, I've got another shout-out as well, just before we go, to Graham Wilson, a.k.a. The Fish. The True Fish. Andy Rowe. Nice. Not the cat food eating fish. This is the real fish. Oh, I'm sure he's had cat food. Oh, definitely has. Well, if he hasn't, I'm at a dinner for them on the 29th of April and he'll be eating it then. So, But he's just got his 300th cap for Heriots against Gala and they won. Heriots are now top of the league with one game to play. He is a club legend and one hell of a player. And like I mentioned, I'm at Heriots on the 29th of April. So we'll share a pint and a tin of cat food. I'm joking about the cat food because... Lads, 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 they'll probably bring it, so please don't. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Producer Tristan, and thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube, and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Rugby Spot. Spotty Pod, 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 Pod. (laughs) 